We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the NFL DFS preview, uh, podcast preview. I'm, uh, I'm stuck in baseball mode. I'm used to saying the uh, Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's Scott Jenstead. Uh, I'm joined tonight by Vlad Sedler. We are going to be bringing you a preview of the NFL slate every single week uh, with a DFS slant. Mostly talking FanDuel, but uh, you know some of the other sites also as well. But uh, hopefully really breaking down the slate for you. We'll be doing it every Wednesday night, going through each position, uh, talk about who we like, who we don't like. Uh, both of us thought we would uh, jump on early in the preseason here to kind of talk about some general basic DFS stuff, introduce ourselves to who we are, um, kind of talk about uh, maybe how, how you start going about uh, breaking down a slate, looking at positions, that kind of stuff. Um, Vlad, how are you? You're not uh, generally a, a regular guy in the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? What is up, everybody? Vlad Sedler here, uh, longtime Roto-Wire writer and uh, good friend of Scott Jenstad's, actually. We've... Um, you know, we've known each other for about 15 years, um, as, as fantasy love has it sometimes, and met on a, uh, a message board over at a game called CDM Sports. Um, they call it the granddaddy of fantasy sports, a, a salary cap baseball football game. Uh, since then, became good friends. Um, I feel like we have a good rapport, and I think for that reason, uh, you'll probably be entertained uh, with our show this year, especially since we do have some uh, some different points of view at times. Um, we'll try not to let it get too heated, but um, <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> I think you should enjoy uh, enjoy what we have in store uh, this year. So, yeah, why don't you tell us, like, are you uh, – I know you play a lot of season long. You play some DFS. Do you consider yourself kind of, uh, kind of both? Do you prefer one for football? Where do you fall kind of in the football game selection uh, landscape? So when it comes to football uh, – DFS is where it's at, at least for me. Um, it's a somewhat of a transition over the years. I do still play uh, some high stakes fantasy football, um, as I do with you. We, you know, travel to Vegas every year and go out and draft there. Still have my home leagues. The season long is uh, still a really important aspect of uh, what I do. But I feel lately, at least over the last couple of years, it's almost been a supplement um, to my DFS. And it's I think that's really just because I love the action. Um, you know, I love watching the live scoring tick, um, you know, have some success in it and, and really, really enjoy it. And so uh, I've been playing DFS uh, since it started in terms of football um, a little bit more seriously over the last couple of years. Um, I've had uh, I guess I can consider myself more of a uh, tournament GPP type of player, though I definitely do enjoy to play cash games. 
um, and also have had some success in some of those bigger tournaments like the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. Uh, had a couple of uh, close calls, didn't quite hit those seven figures, but um, you know, hopefully we'll we'll uh, try to dabble in, into some of that for this year. Yeah, I've kind of come come around the same way. I mean, you know me well. I've always been kind of a season long guy, and for baseball, I still really very much am. I, you know, I'm more of a season long guy for baseball than DFS. But you know, football is really built for DFS. It's so uh, you know everything is so focused on that one week at hand, from breaking down the slate to picking players. I mean, football is just kind of a one week at a time kind of game. And I do still love season long, but you know, the injuries got frustrating for me. Uh, a couple years ago, I took Adrian Peterson the first round when he, uh, he had the child abuse stuff. And, you know, suddenly you lose your first round pick for the whole year. And it's it's just a frustrating, uh, it's, it's a tough game to recover when you get someone injured. So I have shifted to, uh, to a DFS a bunch in football. I think it's really built for it. And I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you. Like you said, we kind of have different ways we approach things. Um, you're probably a little more on the uh, contrarian wild side. I'm a little more kind of the conservative boring side. So I think it'll be kind of a uh, it'll be a pretty good mix. We both had kind of success. Uh, we both had some success last year. You won a, a big GPP. You won't say it, so I'll say it for you. Uh, I came in second in a big GPP on FanDuel and won a bunch of money. So we both had some success last year kind of with our own approaches. So I think it'll be a good uh, a good meld of uh, different approaches. And, and you know, I think we end up coming to the same spot a lot. But there are a lot of weeks where we disagree on guys, and it's always interesting that you know some weeks we're both right, some weeks we're both wrong, some weeks it's one and one. But it's a it should be a fun a fun combo. I look forward to doing it with you. Absolutely. So uh, you know, kind of kind of just to schedule what we'll be doing. I, we're going to uh, record every Wednesday night. Um, we're going to break down the entire slate. We'll probably uh, you know very lightly touch on the Thursday and Monday night games, just because those don't uh, those don't come into the, the all the main slates on uh, on FanDuel or on uh, DraftKings or any other sites. We'll kind of hit all the Sunday games. We'll break them down. We'll look at games. We'll look at defenses. We'll look at, uh, you know, who we like to go off, who we like to surprise. We'll go position by position. Really kind of, uh, you know, get really get really down and dirty with the slate every week. So that'll be Wednesday nights. Um, so, Vlad, you mentioned kind of GPP and cash. Um, when you Do you play – are you one that plays different lineups in each of those? How do you kind of attack um, your kind of game selection when, you, when you're sitting down to, to play on Sunday? Well, I think – it's really important for, for players, especially people, you know, we're going to have a different range of, um, you know, expertise level. But I think for the most part, a lot of people that are listening are fans of football, have played fantasy football and have had some exposure to DFS. And, of course, listening to the, this, the, the podcast and, and reading all, all the, uh, the, the information that we have on the site, want to get better, want to be able to find that edge. Um, you know, to beat people out in some of these large field tournaments, to have consistency um, with cash games and, um, you know, to be able to, you know, to make some money this year, essentially. Um, you know, for me, uh, I definitely like to play um, a good chunk of cash. Uh, probably, I would say I probably play a little bit less than I would recommend somebody, um, you know, sort of starting up for the first time or, uh, you know, really to any of the listeners. But I think for the most part um, with cash games, you really want to have somewhere between, you know, say if you got $100 going in, probably want to play maybe anywhere from 60 to 80 of those dollars, 60 to 80 uh, percent, and then basically use the rest in some smaller um, entry tournaments, uh, you know, throw some, some stacks out there, uh, you know, try to chase a big GPP. It's really a matter of what, you know, people are looking to accomplish. You know, there could be some that, you know, don't mind burning a few dollars every week and just want to play GPP only. And, you know, that's absolutely fine. Um, but truly the best way uh, is, is to establish a base with your cash game lineups, play it a little bit safe with those and then take your shots um, and take some of your chances with the GPP lineups. Yeah, I think that's a that's good advice. Just in case anybody's really a, a new a new player, uh, cash games are the uh, the double ups, the uh, the triple ups, games where you know uh, somewhere between, you know, something like fifty percent of the people are winning their money back. So if you pay a twenty dollar double up and you finish in the top half, you you get twenty bucks profit. Um, you know, it's twenty dollars or zero, but you only have to finish in the top half of the tournament to win. Whereas the GPPs, you're talking like you got to be top twelve to fifteen percent, and even those, you know, you got to be top two three percent to really make any real money. They're they're really they're really uh, weighted towards the top there, but you know, if you do have that one big week, that's where you can make a lot of money. Um, so do you do you enter different lineups for cash and GPP? Do you stick them in both? How do you kind of handle the, uh, the the different formats there? Uh, I think, you know, I, for the most part with the cash game lineups, um, you know, I like to I like to play one cash game lineup uh, for the week. Sometimes I'll go into two if, you know, for example, there's a, a wide receiver or two wide receivers of similar price points um, that I want to have exposure to you know, or perhaps a, a quarterback wide receiver stack. 
Um, and same thing with perhaps, um, you know, two different running backs that I like that I want to have exposure to. But I think for right. the most part, um, you know, I've got my my standard lineup in for cash. Um, you know, with those lineups, I'm essentially looking to, you know, I'm looking for players that are going to provide me um, essentially two times the salary in terms of points. So, you know, if you got um, Sean McCoy in week one going up against the Jets, uh, 8,500. Uh, in week one, which I'm sure we'll get into the players later, um, you know, in the coming weeks, you know, I'm, I'm looking for essentially 15 to 17 points out of him. And if I don't think I'm going to get that, that's not going to be my guy there. And so um, with the GPP lineups, um, this is where I really sort of, you know, delve into the, uh, you know, the, the offenses and the teams I like and uh, like to have some sort of a uh, you know, correlation, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on in a minute, um, you know, with, with quarterbacks, with their receivers, uh, with their tight ends, and, um, you know, of course, running backs uh, that are heavy favorites. Yeah, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think we'll start with, uh, you know, looking at some scoring. We'll talk about FanDuel first. They are a, a sponsor for the podcast. We appreciate that uh, from FanDuel there. So FanDuel, there's, uh, in the lineup, there's, there's no flex players. You do play with a kicker. And the most important thing, I think, is that uh, FanDuel's only a half-point PPR, so you get a half-point per reception. So that's pretty significant when you're looking at uh, looking at your receivers, looking at your running backs who catch balls out of the backfield. Make sure you know your scoring. It's one of those things that uh, on other, uh, you know, DraftKings is a full-point PPR. Some other sites are different. Make sure you, you know each scoring because there's definitely a, definitely a different way, different one way you set lineups um, with different scoring. And the, the no flex is important too. You don't get that extra offensive player. Uh, the kicker gets to be important too. I've uh, I've won and lost some uh, some weeks based on uh, you know picking a bad kicker, picking a good kicker. So, um, you know, I wouldn't uh, you know throw it away and, and pick the chip, cheapest kicker. We'll just we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, important to know your scoring system is kind of the kind of the first main point I have. Yeah, and I think uh, especially on Fanduel where you've got a it's a half point for, uh, half point PPR and you don't have the flex, there's really a lot less of a reliance on the pass catching backs. You know, your guys like Danny Woodhead now on the Ravens, uh, CJ Procise, who I think is going to have a nice little season this year, um, and it's almost you're sort of relying on on, on figuring out where uh, where the touchdowns are going to come from, and of course predicting touchdowns is a is a feat of all of it in itself, and um, right. it could be difficult at times. But, you know, if you're able to, you know, basically figure out where, you know, looking at the Vegas totals, figuring out where you think the points are, are going to be scored and, uh, you know, the, the, the running backs and receivers and tight ends that are going to get the touches and the targets, you can sort of, uh, you know, follow, follow down that path. And so, you know, uh, over on the other side on DraftKings, it's a little bit more where, you know, you can get these wood woodheads and, and processes uh, involved a little bit more on your lineups. Yeah, that uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So uh, as we uh, as we go through the podcast uh, each week, we'll focus on the uh, focus on Fandle, but we'll also point out um, if we see there's a you know a real a bargain we like at uh, DraftKings or Yahoo, we'll you know we'll definitely point that out if they haven't adjusted pricing up for someone who's uh, taken over the starting job or had some good weeks. We'll definitely point that out. But we'll focus mostly on the Fandle pricing, the Fandle setup. Um, you mentioned stacking and correlation before. Uh, stacking is when you you take multiple players from one team. Um, you know, the, 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 the basic stack is, is quarterback and receiver. You know, if you're playing in a GPP, a big tournament, you know, you're going to have to go off during a week to really win a lot of money. And the best way to do that is suddenly you get a touchdown pass from your quarterback to your receiver. That's suddenly two touchdowns instead of one. You can suddenly get two of those. You know, suddenly you got four touchdowns really quick from guys. Uh, you know, big weeks I've had, it's usually because my quarterback throws three or four touchdowns, two of them to my receiver. You know, if you if you really like a cheap receiver on a team, you know, take someone like the Saints as an example. You could go with a, a Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn kind of thing. And, you know, Brees throws four and two to each of them. Suddenly you got a big step up on the competition. So, um, how do you how do you come on stacking? Is, are you are you someone who takes you know automatic? I'm taking quarterback receiver every single week, or uh, do you kind of play it by ear? Where do you come at, where do you coming down on that one? So for me, whether it's a cash game or uh, or, or or GPP or a tournament, um, I'm essentially looking for um, at least one quarterback wide receiver stack. Um, that's just sort of the way it's always um, always filled out for me because of you know just because of that d- direct correlation um, that you mentioned. Uh, in cash games, I'm going to be less likely to, uh, you know, play a second receiver on a team. You know, as you mentioned, like the, like the New Orleans Saints this year with, uh, you know, not necessarily going to go with like a Michael Thomas with Drew Brees along with Willie Sneed and Ted Ginn. Um, I know you had a big week like that last year, um, you know, that helped you clean up in a, in a, in a tournament. Uh, but for my cash games, um, it, you know, if, if something happens with that offense um, that doesn't go as planned um all of a sudden you're looking at uh you know not cashing even in your cash games in your 50 50s and so 
Um, I really, you know, because there are so many games and so many uh, potential points out there, um, you know, I really sort of like to spread it out for the uh, for the cash games in tournaments. In that case, um, you know, I'm looking for those couple of offenses um, that I really like that week uh, offenses uh, or games that I think are going to be ex- extremely competitive and close, um, which obviously is really important in, in terms of, um, you know, seeing quarterbacks on the opposite ends airing it out and, and, and um, you know, really putting up the points and seeing scores go for over 50 plus points. Um, those are the cases where I'll probably have um, some more correlation in, in terms of, uh, you know, a quarterback with a wide receiver in their tight end or a quarterback with a couple of receivers. And in a lot of cases, perhaps in a game that I expect to be a shootout, uh, a wide receiver on the other end, of, on the other team. Um, to sort of keep keep that projection and matching, and I know that's a strategy that's worked out well in tournaments. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a fan of that one too. Um, in any kind of tournament, I'm almost always going with the quarterback and receiver together. I just think it's uh, it's really hard to uh, to win a big tournament without having some sort of quarterback wide receiver correlation there. I don't often go with the third guy on the team. I will sometimes if it's a, a cheap tight end or maybe a cheap receiver. I think he's gonna get some volume. How do you fall on uh, correlating and stacking with running backs? Uh, you know, running backs, obviously, if, uh, if a guy's going to get, uh, you know, 150 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, you know, there's not a lot left for the quarterback or a receiver. Um, are you one who tends to, uh, you know, want your running backs to be on themselves and not correlate with anybody else? Or how do you deal with that? You know, it's it's funny. Uh, I think in cash games, for the most part, I'm not, I'm not going to take a quarterback, uh, receiver, and running back all from the same team. But uh, there definitely were a few cases last year, and really, it just sort of depends on the offenses. I, I, I think the New Orleans Saints were a great example of that. I mean, there were definitely uh, several weeks where you know Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, and you know Michael Thomas or Willie Sneed all were part of that lineup that, you know, was winning your tournaments and, and, and you know, was up in the top 1%. Um, so I think there are a lot of examples like that. Um, it's not something that I necessarily, uh, you know, uh, target. But if you're expecting a team to put up, you know, 30, 40 points and you want to have uh, exposure to, you know, the main keys, uh, main pieces of that offense, that can really work, especially if you have running backs who also catch a lot of balls out of the backfield as well. Yeah, one I like actually to kind of do uh, on Fandos, I like to go running back and defense because uh, they kind of come together with what I'm looking for. You know, I want a running back who has a team that's going to have a lead. Um, you know, with that comes a good, comes a good defense. I, I think that running back and defense come, sometimes can come together really well, and you can you can really profit there as you, as your uh, as your defense plays well and holds the team to other points uh, to low points. You know, your running back suddenly does really well too. So if I'm going to go with a running back and put someone on the same team, uh, defense is kind of usually the one I pair it with. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that. That's definitely a, a smart play, and I think it's a great play, especially for uh, for cash games. And I think a lot of times, obviously, we're looking at uh, you know teams that maybe have a that are a touchdown or so favorite um, that you expect to maybe milk the clock down in, in the second half, and uh, you know perhaps put it in a position where the opposing team is going to try to you know air it out and to try to catch up and potentially make some mistakes um you know perhaps get a get a pick six or something get some extra points out of your defense so um definitely a strong correlation there between the uh, running back and a defense oh yeah give me uh, give me my defense against blake bortles all day long i love it <laughs> if he starts that is well let's see yeah i mean the other thing you know that also is true too so uh Oh, no, I think, yeah, I think we have a lag. Now, I was just going to say, you know, same thing with, um, you know, can have a little bit of correlation there with the with the tight ends. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll jump into tight ends in a bit. But, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, got a guy like you know Travis Kelsey, who, you know, essentially is almost like a wide receiver one. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, working all, the, you know, up and down the field, a guy that's going to get five to ten targets a game, um, you know, really stepping up, looking to be like, you know, looking to be one of a, you know, top two or three, um, you know, tight ends this year. Um, so I'm not afraid to go with, uh, you know, in, in a specific game that works for me, um, you know, like a Smith, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, w- with a receiver on the other side of the field type of correlation in a, in a tournament. Yeah. And I'm the same way. If there's a tight end, I really like, I sometimes will just go quarterback and tight end. I don't have to have quarterback receiver. Uh, with someone like Gronk or Kelsey or even maybe a Jordan Reed, if I like him one week, you know, I'll go Cousins and Reed and take three receivers from another team. So I don't think you're – you don't have to have a quarterback with a receiver, but you can have a quarterback with a receiver or a big tight end. Something like that is usually a pretty good way to kind of start building your tournament team. 
you have to think about, you know, do I fade that kind of guy? Do I want to take a risk and fade that? So I don't do it with any player, good players I really want. I tend to think that the, that, uh, the guys are not that high percentage. Other sports like basketball and baseball, you get much higher percentage than you do in football, especially when in a week where there's no buys, that kind of stuff, where you have a lot of games to choose from. Um, cheap cheap running backs is kind of the one spot where I, I worry about Chuck a little bit. I know you're a little more of a Chuck uh, avoider, so uh, where do you fall on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, for fade the Chuck. No, for uh, <laughs> cash games, essentially, um, I'm not really too worried about it. I'm just looking to put in the guys that I think are going to give me, uh, you know, you know, two times their their salary. Uh, with tournaments, um, I definitely think it's a blend. Uh, you can have a little bit of chalk. I think the the cheap, obvious chalk is the really dumb chalk to fade. Um, you know, I think it was last week, maybe somewhere around week twelve or so. Um, you know, when um, you know CJ Procise was essentially starting, and you know he was like you know four thousand, five thousand, like you know close to minimum salary on both sites, and he was pretty much a must play. And there's you know examples of that all the time. Um, you know, we might see, and I'm not, not quite sure what a Darren McFadden salary is right now off the bat, but you, you can probably imagine there's going to be a lot of chalk, um, you know, going there. Um, you know, it's really not a place you want a cheap chalk is especially at running back is not a spot you necessarily want to, uh, go against the grain on. Um, that's sort of where you want to go in terms of your, uh, you know, correlation stacks with, uh, the, the passing game you know the quarterbacks and receivers and you know like you mentioned there are uh you know a bunch of games going on on a sunday you'll have 10 or 11 on the you know the, the 10 a.m um you know west coast time 1 p.m uh, east coast and uh, you know a few games going on after that for the afternoon games plus the sunday night game there are a lot of spots to get creative um and as people start to read things over the course of the week um i feel like you know brain power all starts to collect and and, yep. and people start thinking really the same and so it's really important to, you know, try to, you know, sort of start your, your research and, and find the information that you need early on before you start reading stuff. And I know, you know, you, you as well are, are somebody that, you know, uh, besides being super stubborn, that's a whole different story altogether. Um, you know, we'll I'm, sure, not, I'm sure we'll get you know, into that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're not going to read, you, you know, you sort of have your ideas formed um, before you start reading other people's stuff and seeing what's out there. And, and I think that's super important. And, and so, I, you know, I don't know if you do this, but one of the things that I do, um, you know, starting on a Monday, uh, you know, I will take a look at write down all the matchups, put all the games, you know, write all the games down and then figure out on my own where I think the lines are going to fall and what the totals are going to be. And I think that's important before you actually go in and look at it, because, um, you, you know, if you're looking at it right away um, and, and you see like, a, you know, New Orleans Atlanta game is, you know, a 54 toll. You can pretty much assume what it is. Um, but this, these are spots where you can find um, where you like a game more or like the game less based on Vegas totals. And with people looking at Vegas totals more and more often, and really a lot of times just simply making decisions based on that and just stacking games with, you know, that are projected 50 plus points. Um, there's always a game that, you know, that surprises or that's off the radar. And that's a game that you may be able to find earlier in the in the week um, that you start kind of studying and paying more attention to that perhaps other people won't be on and might be, you know, like a 5% or a 10% stack. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really good advice. I think that I, that's one of those things that I might actually do this year and t- try and look at the totals before the game starts. Uh, it's funny, you and I might be the only two people left in America that actually write stuff down ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I do. Uh, I do the same thing. I do the same thing in baseball. I write down everything. I do it in football too. It kind of helps me. Uh, helps me kind of formulate and think. But uh, I'm probably a little bit later on in the week than you are. I usually don't look at all until maybe Tuesday night. I like to uh, then look at a slate really fresh. I try and not read anything uh, before I, I kind of look at the slate originally. As the week goes on, I'll read a lot of injury notes. Uh, that's really obviously important to me. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to find guys who are going to suddenly fall in some playing time. But um, as the week goes on, there's a few podcasts I listen to. Hopefully, everybody listens to this one. Uh, but I like to I like to at least start with my really a fresh in my own opinions. And I don't change a lot during the week. You know, if, if someone makes a compelling case, someone I trust, you know, I may I may take another sit down and look at a game again. But I really try and formulate my own opinion on on Tuesday night, and then I kind of go from there. Yeah, and I I mean, how do you how do you usually work it with um, you know like Sunday mornings? Like, do you do you tweak your teams in the morning? Um, you know, what type of news affects you 
that'll make you like want to change a whole a whole team out how, how do you work with that yeah i'm a little different i like to i kind of figure out the players i like during the week but then i usually sit down sunday morning and kind of really piece together my final lineup so i usually won't have my final lineup set until sunday morning i know that frustrates you when you want to talk uh, talk about lineups but uh <laughs> i usually i usually like to sit out sit down a couple hours before game starts you know put uh, put the pregame show on see what uh, who's inactive who's active but really kind of try and piece together. I think weather is very important, too, and I like to get the weather reports in the morning. You know, I really want games that are, you know, obviously indoors. The weather doesn't matter. I like that. And then any kind of good weather. But if you've got wind and rain, you know, suddenly it affects a whole game. So I really like to – I uh, I kind of formulate my opinions, uh, you know, by doing season long and doing uh, free agent pickups. I kind of know who I like each week. And I look at all the games and, you know, we'll do the podcast. So I'll know generally who I like at what position. But I won't kind of piece together my final lineup usually until Sunday morning to kind of try to find that perfect uh, way that everybody guys fit together, especially if a cheap guy emerges. You know, all of a sudden you're kind of tweaking back and forth. And, and I like to know who I like, and then I'll piece it together on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I imagine you're a little bit more of a, a planner than I am. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I think I'm really getting better at is um, the, the last-minute tweaking. Um, and, and I think one of the things that, uh, at least for the West Coast people, that I recommend is, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, take up your – your Saturday night and you want to go out and you have fun, especially if you're single and, you know, you want to have a couple of drinks or whatnot. But, you know, myself and my older age, I guess you could say 38 now, um, you know, the, the Sunday mornings, having that clarity uh, is really, really important to me. And so I'm not going to stop myself from going out on a Saturday night if I want to. But if I can hit the gym in this on Sunday morning, if I can, you know, be as fresh, you know, have that clarity that perhaps there's some stacks that hadn't come to me yet. Um, ready to go for that morning. What I like to do is, though I will set a lot of my lineups um, over the the few days before that, especially my cash lineup, and have it set. I always like to have a couple of shell lineups uh, in, in entries that I, I've already entered in, but don't actually have a lineup set. And when that Sunday morning clarity comes to me, uh, I'll read the news, I'll check the inactives, um, and maybe something new emerges, and you know, sort of pop that in uh, as a lineup. And so. That's another thing that I think is important. If you're, it's really, really easy to put in all this week during the week. And of course, we're waiting for football all week. Right. A lot of people are, you know, playing Thursday slates, um, you know, the early slate and whatnot. Um, And we're building our lineups. And then Sunday morning happens and it's just a complete, you know, S show. And, uh, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden, everything that you've worked hard to put together all week is completely different. The game start 10 minutes in, the guy you took out scores a touchdown and your Sunday is ruined. And so the best way to do that, have those shell lineups uh, open. Um, so you have some clarity on Sunday. Then you can make some changes. But your hard work during the week needs to be rewarded with what you think and what you originally uh, put in. I think that's that's very important. And, you know, I'd say that I like to piece things together Sunday. You know, I've done all my prep work ahead of time. I'm literally just piecing together combos. The only thing I'll really let affect me on Sunday morning in terms of putting new guys in my lineup is an injury um, or some kind of crazy weather in one of the games. Like if I have a quarterback and the weather looks really windy and rainy, you know, I'll punt to a different game. You know, quarterback's too important. Um, you know, guys still still might be good, but I like to take that element uh, out of the mix. So um, usually an injury where a cheap guy emerging and get a lot of volume or weather is kind of the only way I'll really tweak from who I like on Sunday morning. I just like to piece together Sunday morning. I like to kind of take that quiet time. Uh, I have a 21-month-old, so I don't get a lot of those quiet times. But uh, Sunday morning is usually a pretty good time, you know, kind of two hours before the game, kind of really get, uh, you know, it's, it's my clarity, just kind of in a different way. But uh, what about, uh, like, late swapping? Do you, uh, you know, aside from an injury, is there anything that you, uh, you'll late swap an afternoon or evening game for? Any kind of strategy reasons? Or are you strictly, uh, I like who I like, my lineup's good, only if the guy gets hurt am I going to swap uh, or inactive or something like that, I'm going to swap out? Uh, well, I mean, it's for injury primarily, um, but I, you know, occasionally uh, for, for for the the afternoon games, if I'm off to a really hot start with a tournament team or um, you know looking to make some sort of change on a Sunday night, um, I think that works for tournaments where uh, you know where you could see uh, you know almost you know the player minutes left, you know, the, see in advance on a Sunday night game, um, you know, say you're up there in a tournament and you have somebody in your lineup, um, let's say. Uh, you know, the, it's the Chicago Bears. You have Cameron Meredith in your lineup, and uh, you have a feeling, just sort of looking at the lineups around you, that most other people have Cameron Meredith as well. And so at that point, you're perhaps looking to, 
you know, pivot in, in a way that might get you to the top quicker because, you know, to, to have that little bit of a, a contrarian edge is, is important when, you know, in terms of game theory and things like that. And so, you know, putting in a Kevin White, as long as he's healthy that week, we know he's probably going to miss <laughs> half the year, yeah. um, you know, might be an opportunity or, you know, on, on the opposite end, say they're playing the, you know, playing the Dolphins and, you know, everybody has Devontae Parker because he's all the rage this year. Nobody loves Landry anymore. You pop in your 4% Landry, take yourself to the top of that tournament win, um, you know, just occasionally finding ways to um, to be different when it's strategic, um, but not out of the out of the way crazy. And uh, and I think you remember my story from from three years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, that one. Yeah. The, the tournament when I was uh, right there in the mix for, um, you know, for a million bucks. And um, I had Demarius Thomas in my lineup, was planning to switch out for Des Bryant in the evening game. I did not. I left Demarius in. He, he was great. Scored two touchdowns, um, you know, got me up there up into the uh, the top five. Uh, but of course, Des Bryant ended up uh, topping him and scoring three touchdowns that evening. I <laughs> never did make the swap, and you know me, I could be very, you know, I have been swap happy in the past. I've definitely right. got a lot more, a lot more uh, responsible in that respect. But um, you know, that was a, a ninety thousand dollar difference that I won't forget. But then again, I'm not going to let it affect me what I'm going to do each week. It's its own slate, uh, clean slate, and we move forward. Right, and just to play devil's advocate, I mean, you got to think about the other side too. If you know Cam Meredith is heavily heavily owned. And he scores two touchdowns. You swapped him out. Suddenly, you know, you're up there in a tournament. You're falling all the way out of that tournament. So it does. It can work yep. both ways. And that's, you know, I'm I'm a little more conservative with that. You know, if I like a guy at the beginning of the day, I usually stick with him. But so I could probably come a little more to your side. You know, if uh, if um, you know, say I'm hundredth in a tournament, and I I know there's no way I can move up with Meredith, and maybe I'll do it. But if I'm up there, uh, you know, I don't want to risk uh, you know finishing uh, near the top. So it's it's a tough it's a tough little tricky game to play. And you got to feel good about it. Uh, you could have picked a better team than the Bears, so I had a better option than Kevin White, though. <laughs> this is true. Um, so I wanted to get into some um, positions and talk about uh, kind of how you look at each position. But first of all, uh, a real quick note from our sponsor, FanDuel. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. For casual fans, serious fans, there are new contests starting every week. There are no busted seasons. If you draft Adrian Peterson and he uh, gets suspended like uh, I talked about earlier, you do not have to worry about that. You get a new lineup every single week. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. You have uh, tournaments. You have cash games starting at just $1 going all up to thousands of dollars. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Talk about uh, – and then uh, – so you look at week one, and uh, it's it's fun. You know, you've got your season long, but then we got the Eagles and Redskins. You want a piece of that, so you're going to play some FanDuel for that. you got the Seahawks and Packers. you got the Giants and Cowboys. Even the Cardinals and Lions, I think it's going to be a fun, high-scoring game. You know, you can really get a piece of that action. You know, you, maybe you missed a guy in a season-long league. You know, that can change. Just jump in on FanDuel. You can have uh, you can have your Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald stack if you want it. There are over 2.5 million players that have won as cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's RW. You'll get a free six-week, six-week, six-month, sorry, RotoWire subscription plus a free entry in the NFL Sunday Million Week 1, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. So, Vlad, let's start a quarterback. You know, that's the, that's the guy that touches the ball all game. Um, when you're looking for your quarterback, uh, what uh, what are you looking for when you're picking a guy? You know, you, you got your one quarterback, and say your main cash team, a team you're going to put in a couple of tournaments. Also, um, who do you want uh, as your quarterback on that night? I want him to be hashtag good. <laughs> and, and you joke um, about that, but you joke about that. But I almost throw out the bottom half of quarterbacks each week. You know, unless someone's really cheap. I think I think quarterback's a place that you don't worry about money. I think you want one of your top two or three guys. So you say hashtag good. You're joking, but. I think that yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that too. Exactly, and 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 that's why I threw the hash up right, in front of, of it because yeah, I'm, yeah, because if I'm looking at slate, especially if I'm just playing one lineup or I'm playing three, you know, there's no reason like I'm not going to be you know dipping down and and you know and taking my shot with a uh, Brock Osweiler or Deshaun Kaiser or Cody Kessler or whoever's starting for Cleveland that day. There's just you know simply too many good. Too many good options, um, usually at the top. I don't necessarily have to take the top guy. It doesn't always, on my primary lineup, have to be an Aaron Rodgers. Or, you know, in week one, it's going to be Matt Ryan at the at, at uh, the Chicago Bears is, is the top option there. Um, but I do want a, a quarterback that um, is going to be in a game that I believe is going to be competitive. Um, I don't want a quarterback in a game with a, um, 
a high uh, line, a right. high point uh, differential. Spread. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what it's called, spread. Good good to be back from baseball to football. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the fast track indoors, um, you know, say in Atlanta, New Orleans, you know, those are obviously great places. Um, you know, the, the home quarterbacks are always solid in those games. Um, and, and, and looking for those high Vegas totals as well. Um, and also I'm looking in terms of the defenses also because, you know, just because a game is going to be, you know, perhaps a blowout doesn't mean that there can't be a lot of action early and a lot of passing touchdowns happening um, early on. Um, that could be enough and that could still be the, you know, um, quote unquote, nut stack of the day. Right. And, you know, a good example of that is Tom Brady. You know, the Patriots win a lot of games by a lot of points, but they leave him in. He throws passes in the second half. So they're one of those teams I don't worry quite as much about the line. But, you know, you get someone who's a, a you know, a 10 to 12 point favorite quarterback. throws a couple times early. You get a running touchdown. You're up 21 to three. And all of a sudden they shut it down in the second half. So the Patriots are kind of the one I throw out of there because they, they t- Belichick tends to like to rub it in people a little bit. He likes to get touchdowns for Brady, especially from the two yard line, that sort of thing, especially with no Garrett Blunt there this year to run in 18 or whatever he had last year. But yeah, I mean, quarterback, I'm really looking for that. I'm really looking for that shootout game. I'm looking for, uh, you know, last year, my favorite game, you know, anytime Drew Brees is at home, you know, you like that because not only is he good at home, they're indoors, he got fast receivers, fast track, but their defense is so bad, they're giving up a lot of points too. So when you get, when you get 38, 35 and the quarterbacks are back and forth, that's really who I'm looking for. I usually, I usually limit it maybe down to the top eight quarterbacks. I'll really dig into those guys, kind of see, uh, you know, game flow. What I see is the, is the best game flow for those guys, usually who I'm going to go with. Exactly. And, you know, I, I know people set up lineups different ways. I mean, somebody, you know, some people stack and they, you know, they multi enter 150 lineups. Other people are just playing 10. Other people are just playing one or three. Right. Um, I like to build usually three to five lineups. Um, and I don't mind having, you know, the same quarterback on a couple of those teams. Um, so I'll usually have my, you know, two or three guys that I really like. Uh, and then if I'm playing multi entry in, in, in GPPs in these tournaments, um, that's where I, I could sort of, you know, go off the rails a little bit where, you know, I could, you know, perhaps enter in some lower tourneys where I could, you know, try out, you know, an, an Andy, Andy Dalton, AJ Green, you know, Tyler Boyd stack if I wanted to, um, you know, some, some Eli Manning with, with some of his boys you know, correlation there as well. And so um, it really depends. It depends on your on your style of play, how many lineups you're entering. Um, but, you know, honestly, there's no reason to get too cute and, uh, you know, overly contrarian with uh, the best quarterbacks, especially if you're only playing a couple lineups. Yeah, I think that's an important point in a couple lineups. You know, I'm usually a three to five lineup guy also. So I'm usually uh, in those five lineups, I'll have maybe three quarterbacks. I'll play a couple guys on two and maybe a, maybe kind of a flyer on one cheaper guy, but not super cheap. Do you uh, do you care about a quarterback throwing versus running? Do you like a, a Tyrod Taylor, a old school Colin Kaepernick kind of thing? Or do you want your guy throwing the ball to your receivers you're playing also? No, I mean, I love the running quarterbacks. I absolutely have no problem with that, especially if they're guys that are going to be, you know, there and, and pull off a quarterback sneak uh, at the goal line. Uh, I love those kind of guys. Yep. Uh, maybe not as much Tyrod Taylor. We'll, we'll see how that plays <laughs> out here over the next yeah. over the next couple of weeks. And, that looked better two weeks ago than it does, than it does today. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole that's a whole different ball game. But uh, but no, I, that really doesn't make as much of a of a difference to me. Um, you know, I, I guess we'll we'll sort of see as we jump into the week one slate, and I think it'll be interesting to figure out who you know we both like uh, for week one and, and where these guys fall in terms of uh, passing versus uh, running quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. At least in week one, you know, the first month of the season, we don't have to worry about as weather quite as much. Uh, weather quarterbacks are kind of the one spot I do worry about weather. I think I said earlier, uh, any kind of anytime it's windy or rainy, I usually try to avoid those. If it's if it's cold and not windy, I don't mind that. If it's snow, I don't mind that. No. It's really the wind that uh, really affects it. Not only from the standpoint of it's harder to throw passes, but coaches just change the game plan. Guys want the coaches want to run the ball, uh, not air it out as much. Um, you know, and also you know, the last point with quarterbacks is you got to make sure your quarterback has good receivers. You need guys that are that are game breakers on the outside. You need guys that can catch touchdowns. You need good good receivers in the red zone. You know, you can have the greatest quarterback in the world. Isn't the right receivers? It's really tough to play in Fanduel because you're just not going to get a lot of touchdown passes. So you want uh, you want to you want to make sure you got a guy in a good offense. And a good quarterback, so that's a, it's a good combo right there. So running backs is kind of the hardest spot for me. I really struggle. If when I struggle and do poorly in a week, it's usually because I miss on running backs. Um, how do you start? Do you, you you play two running backs on Fanduel? How, is there a way you start to look at running backs? Do you have a set like I want a expensive guy, and a cheap guy, an expensive guy, and a mid range guy? You want two mid range guys, or does it really vary for you week by week? No, it's really no formula for me. Um, you know, if if, if, if uh, my two favorite guys, if I'm not seeing uh, cheap options that I really feel comfortable with, um, you know, 
you know, I'm going to be looking in the top half range and, and grab a couple of guys who I think are going to, you know, get me 100 plus yards, catch a couple of passes and are going to have those goal line carries. Uh, but for me, it's really that, you know, it, it's the um, it, it's the carries, you know, it, it's guys that I know are going to be in there, um, you know, guys that may not necessarily, um, you know, lose many touches, even if game game script starts going away from them, um, you know, and. You know, those bell cow backs, I mean, we saw what happened last year, how many winning lineups had, you know, the uber expensive David Johnson or the Le'Veon Bell. I mean, yep. those guys were monster performers putting up four, five X their salary, you know, in, in consistent, you know, in back to back to back weeks. Yeah, I don't think it can be uh, overstated enough when it comes to running backs that touches are absolute gold. You need volume. You want guys that not only get the ball a lot, but get the ball inside the 20, you know, something like. 60% of touchdowns, 67% of touchdowns running are inside the five. 89% of touchdowns uh, rushes are inside the 20. You know, there are very rarely long, long touchdowns. There are some guys that can do that. The guys you mentioned before can do that. But you really want guys that touch the ball a lot. You want yards when you're getting a running back. You want your guy to get 100 yards. You want the volume. You want touches. And you really want him to get the ball inside the 20. That's really where you get your lot of your points. Um, you know, people try and get sneaky with uh, with guys like, you know, Sproles or Woodhead. And, you know, that works a little bit better on DraftKings, like you said earlier, with, with a point per catch. But I really think you want volume. And I just can't overstate that enough. You know, we talk on Sunday mornings usually. And we talk about some running backs, and it's always to me is, you know, make sure he's going to get that volume. I want a guy whose team is favored. I don't want to look up in the second half. My guy's down 17 to 6, and they're throwing the ball every down. So I really want a team that's favored. I want a team that has a good offensive line. I mean, last year you look at Ezekiel Elliott. People worry about him coming in the year as a rookie. But, I mean, with that line, he just, you know, he ate every game, and they fed him every game. It's just that line just killed people, and they got they wore down defense in the second half. And you want your running back getting, you know, 15 carries in the second half. That's how you win in these games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, similar with the line, and that's going to be something where, you know, in, in like the Seahawks, for example, this year, that mean, you know, especially, you know, as is for season long, I'm pretty much sticking, you know, staying away from the Eddie Lacey, Thomas Rawls, CJ Procise. So when it comes to week one DFS, when you have a team that, you know, even lost another lineman, you know, this last week, yep. a completely, you know, a sham of an offensive line, you know, th there's no reason to even take a shot on, on those type of guys when you have so many, many other options, um, you know, and, and on the other end as well, um, you know, I, I'm keeping an eye out for what types of injuries are occurring on the opposing defenses yep. uh, side. Um, and that's, you know, very important, um, you know, being able to, you know, have running backs that, you know, are going to get, uh, get those goal line carries or clutch, uh, especially on Fandle where, you know, this is a touchdown heavy type of format. You're looking for those guys who you think are going to get, you know, two to two to four, you know, goal line carries or offenses that are uh, efficient and proficient enough to to sort of stretch it down the field, you know, get it to their guy and uh, be able to, to to walk in the touchdown. Similar to what we saw with Legarrette Blunt last year, just gold. Yeah, I, I, defense is really the against the run is really the one spot I look at opposing defenses the most. Um, you know, I think the passing defense numbers can get skewed based on game script, but if you see a defense that's getting beat down on the run every week, that's usually a sign that something's <coughs> going on there. Yeah, you say the Niners, you mentioned key injuries on defense. They went from, you know, kind of okay against the run, and then Navarro Bowman got hurt, that middle linebacker who's an all-world player, and they were just dreadful against the run after that. I mean, it's uh, when you if you lose an all-pro middle linebacker, you know, that changes stuff. You've got you've to pay attention to, you know, who's hurt on the opposing defense. You really want a running back against a, you know, team that's defensive line is decimated with injury. You know, suddenly that changes everything. You're your offensive linemen are going to start to dominate. I really look at defense against the run when I'm looking at uh, looking at running backs. I love to see defenses that are just really getting beat down on the ground and uh, you know are tiring in the second half or losing in the second half. To me, game flow and opposing defense with running back is is really the, really the most important thing. Game flow and touches. And if I can get a guy like that, you know, I try and find a cheap guy who gets that, but I'm willing to pay up. I usually go one pricey guy and one mid range guy unless a uh, unless a cheap guy kind of emerges. Yeah, and it, it's funny you point out the San Francisco thing because uh, you know they obviously led. Uh, I mean, there were no team, there was no team, no rush defense that allowed more yards per game last year, um, and by a whopping margin. I mean, it was 166 yards per game, uh, almost more than 20 more than the 31st place Cleveland Browns, which is just absolutely insane. And after a while, you just see people just start going 
just you know almost blindly popping in whoever was was against the you know San Francisco. And I know that one week in week six where where you know you went off and you had that incredible um, you know incredible outing on Fanduel. What'd you do? You popped in Lashawn McCoy. It was an easy no brainer against San Francisco. And even though he got hurt, he still ended up with what three touchdowns that game, just walking all over them. It's insane. Yeah, he actually he actually scored two, then got hurt, then actually came back in and scored another one, which is uh, really made no sense. But I was loving it anyway. Um, yeah, the only running back the Niners stopped all year actually was Todd Gurley. He was terrible against them. Everybody else uh, pretty much killed him. It's all it's all Fisher's fault. Anyways. Yeah, Todd Gurley was uh, was uh, had forty carries against them in two games and was under three yards per carry. I will still never understand how that happened. <laughs> So uh, when it comes to when it comes to wide receivers, uh, you know, you, on Fanduel you get three wide receivers. You know, really fun position. We we love watching guys catch the ball. Um, you know, some of the correlation with the quarterback comes in. I'm usually looking for one receiver to pair with my quarterback, so that kind of takes care of one guy. Usually with my quarterback, I want the best receiver. If I'm going to play Matt Ryan, I want Julio Jones. Um, if I'm going to play, uh, you know, if I'm going to play Tom Brady, I want Brandon Cooks. You know, it's it's kind of the combo. If I'm going to have that quarterback, I want the best receiver. I don't want to take a middle receiver and suddenly my, the top guy catches two touchdowns. I'm really frustrated at that point. So um, how do you come into wide receivers? Uh, what do you look at aside from obviously the high total and the passing, uh, you know, the shootouts we talked about the quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, those are the main things that you, you mentioned. Um, you know, I'm looking for the games where they're going to be some shootouts. I don't mind taking, you know, receivers on um, on opposing teams. It doesn't necessarily have to be the wide receiver one on one end and wide receiver one on the other, uh, especially if it's tournaments. And I'm looking to get, um, you know, get a little jiggy with it, um, you know, <laughs> sort of zig where people zag, um, you know, and, and, you know, not necessarily it having to be a guess. Um, perhaps I'll, you know, take a look at who I project might be the cornerback. Um, you know, if there's a cornerback that's really good, that's shadowing the number one option, perhaps the second um, receiving option might be the guy. Um, but, you know, for the most part, um, that's sort of where I start. I'm looking for the offenses that I love. And from that point on, digging in deeper to figure out exactly where I at least project um, the, the passing scoring to come from um, and, and taking receivers that way. Yeah, you're a little more into opposing cornerbacks than I am. We've we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit about this. We probably will during the season. I tend to think that uh, any receiver I'm going to take in, a, in a hopefully a good offense, that offensive coordinator is going to be able to figure out ways to get my guy the ball. Mm-hmm. I also think that I'm taking a receiver because I think he's good and he's going to beat that cornerback a couple times. So while it, you know if it's Richard Sherman over there or you know an elite guy, then I'll take it into account. But I very rarely do. Um, you know, maybe that might be a blind spot for me that you'll help me uh, work on during the season, but. And I also tend to think that, you know, the guys will move their receivers around. They're not going to let their guy just sit against Sherman the whole game. You know, there's so many times where I don't take a guy because, you know, Seattle's Sherman's out there. And then all of a sudden I see him scoring on someone else. And I get really frustrated with that. So I wait a little bit, probably not as much as most people. So that may be a spot where uh, I'll need your help a little bit to kind of uh, really kind of maximize that. Yeah. And, you know, these stud receivers, I mean, they are studs for a reason. Um, I don't know if there's any easier way to put it, but. You know, think back to last week. Uh, I'm sorry, last last year. Um, you know, the, your big week in week six and my big week in week four. We both, you know, uh, took down GPPs. Think about what happened in those specific weeks. In week four, Julio Jones was coming off three extremely mediocre weeks. He's off everybody's radar. You know, everyone's you know heavy into recency bias, and you know, so because of that, Julio Jones was sort of off the radar. A, a top. Three wide receiver, one of the best in the game, is a four percent play oh, in, in, in tournaments wow. in a four thousand person tournament. Blows my mind. Anyways, he ended up having three hundred yards uh, that game, having his monster breakout game. Anybody with Julio essentially won money that game. And with you in week six, it was Odell Beckham. Uh, the rest of your team was obviously really solid, but Beckham was coming off of what one out of five weeks in which he had a hundred plus yards, yep. and he blew up that game. Um, and, and again, he was under 10% owned. And, you know, so a lot of times I think, you know, we got to be, be smarter than, than the masses and basically, you know, find our spots. Like, you know, when something just kind of seems obvious and, or something is perhaps due because, um, because that's just football, that's the volatility of it. That's the wildness of it. And, you know, if, 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 unless Julio Jones is, is truly hurt, if he has four not so good weeks in a row, you can pretty, uh, darn be sure that something might happen for him the following week not only that but that whole week you know he's in the offensive coordinator's ear trying to get the ball and the office coordinator's getting uh-huh. frustrated there, there are weeks where they force those diva receivers the ball the big time big name receivers they force them the ball beckham's the same way you know he, he, he has a couple games where he doesn't have, he has 35 40 yards 
you kind of know the blow-up's coming. He's so talented, they're going to kind of focus on him. But you talked about Beckham that week. He was 8% owned that week, had a, you know, a 50-yard touchdown, like an 80-yard touchdown, just, just monstrous. With me, I, I like receivers, especially my top guy, to have big playability, especially in a tournament. I want a guy who can break a 60, 70-yard touchdown. You know, you don't get many of those on the ground, but you do get those big passing plays. That's where you – I mean, you build up that. You All of a sudden, you got 70 yards and a touchdown. You know, that's like a whole afternoon of work right there. You got it in one play. So I think especially with tournaments, big playability. Um, with cash games, for mm. me, I look more a little bit at targets. I want guys that are going to catch a lot of balls, get a lot of options, especially in a DraftKings format. You get a point per catch. I want targets, 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 especially with my cheap guys. If I'm going to play a, a really cheap receiver, I want him to be a guy that, you know, maybe he doesn't have a big playability. Maybe he's not great or big or, big or strong, but he's going to get a lot of targets. You know, a guy like Cole Beasley, who I know who I know you like this year, right? you liked last year too. You know, a guy that's going to get eight to ten targets, you know, suddenly he racks up those points, especially when you got PPR. A guy, a guy like Anquan Bolden. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's uh, he's going to he's going to like I think create world peace and solve all the world's problems. So good for him. Uh, yeah, I'm all about it. So uh, you know, kind of in the same vein, we look at tight ends. You know, you're gonna have guys that catch the ball, but to me, tight ends to me is about red zone. Uh, you know, unless you have Gronk or Kelsey mm-hmm. that can make some big plays, I want someone like you know, example like Kyle Rudolph, who I know you like coming in this year, a guy who's gonna get looks in the red zone. You know, tight ends don't get as many targets as, as receivers do for the most part. They don't hit as many big plays. But they do get touchdowns. They get looks inside the 10. I want a guy that my quarterback on third and third and goal from the 8 is kind of his security blanket. I want a guy that gets red zone targets. When I'm looking for my tight end, I usually go back in the game logs. I look at not only targets but red zone targets. Can find a guy who I think mm-hmm. might score that week. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. It's really, you know, these guys that have, uh, you know, that are the, sa- the, the security blankets, safety blankets, whatever type of blanket you want of their quarterbacks. <laughs> Uh, guys that that love them that you know when they're when they're in the flat they know that they're going to be there or they're going to catch the ball and they're you know they're reliant and, and they're all big guys I mean you know obviously to you know play the tight end position I mean what you know what the average guy is like you know six four two fifty so you know these are guys you know big bodied guys guys that have you know extension and reach and and you know can make the big plays in the red zone and so you know I you know. For the most part, with the tight ends, if I can get you know somebody that I think is going to be you know getting a heavy part of uh, of the targets and especially in the red zone, that's going to be my guy. But I think a lot of our season long prep um, can perhaps put us in a situation where we can find those guys you know at this year if you know if Eric Ebron gets over his hamstring issue and is ready for Week One, you know with Bolden not in the picture and you know he's somebody who I think can can, can step up and and, and be you know, be in the mix, you know, a guy like Jared Cook, for example, who I think a lot of people are overlooking altogether in season long leagues. And, you know, he's a big body target, a uh, big guy. I think he can catch the ball. And for a guy his size is, doesn't have that bad of speed. And I think, you know, the Raiders are going to have a lot of those, a lot of that luck, a lot of that, uh, you know, good fortune that they had last year, a lot of the Del Rio, you know, you know, last second uh, cowboy play calling that won them <laughs> games, right. I think is going to balance out a little bit. And it's, you know, it could even balance out in terms of everybody's on Amari Cooper to, oh, he just doesn't catch anything in the red zone. He's going to be another five-touchdown guy. Amari Cooper is a talent to score 12. I mean, anything could happen. I know I'm, I'm, I'm segueing here. My point is I like a guy like Jared Cook. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to play a cheap uh, tight end um, you know, unless I really have to unless, or uh, as long as I n- know that they're going to get those targets and are going to get looks uh, in the red zone. I'm a big believer in the in the mid-range tight end. I usually don't go at the top. I don't go at the bottom. I like a mid-range guy. Someone who's priced maybe the fourth to tenth guy that I think is a top three tight end for that week is usually where I kind of find my value at tight end. What the other the other thing I like one more note on tight ends is I like a guy who's who's has a wide receiver that's hurt. Like if you have someone uh if you have a Julio Jones gets hurt one week, you know, suddenly Austin Hooper gets a lot more work. I think it's a really sneaky find. Usually the you know, the prices mm-hmm. are not upped on a guy. You know, you, you'll still get a good price on a guy. But if a number one or number two receiver's hurt, you know, those targets suddenly switch to that switch to that tight end. Quarterback wants someone he's used to rather than another receiver coming in. I think that you can kind of find sneaky mid mid range value tight ends if you have, if you look at what receivers are injured that week too. Absolutely, and I think also it it doesn't hurt to take a look at as the season goes on at least. Uh, taking a look at how opposing defenses uh, uh, handle the tight ends, um, you know, I, I, there's always, you know, every year you see the teams that are, you know, constantly allowing touchdowns to the tight ends. It's not something that we're going to know uh, or, or are going to want to project based on last year's stats. Uh, of course, um, you know, you're not going to go into week one playing 
uh, a tight end against a team that allowed the most, uh, you know, tight end touchdowns and yards last year. Right. But as the season develops, you know, you start to see trends and, and for whatever reason, it just always seems like the same teams are giving up the same, um, you know, volume to opposing tight ends. And, and in those cases, we're not necessarily looking at the touchdowns that are being scored, but more so, um, you know, the passes that are being thrown their way, um, the, the targets and, and the receptions. Yeah, NFL offense corners are really good, and you can usually figure out if a team's not stopping a tight end for a reason. They kind of just go back to that until it gets stopped. So it's a good segue on defense, though. So what do you do with team defense? You know, obviously, it's, it's kind of the thing we think about last in fantasy football in season-long drafts. You know, the defense goes in the 15th, 16th round. But in a game like FanDuel, you know, suddenly your defense gets a bunch of sacks and scores a touchdown. You know, that's a big contributor. It can make a big difference between a, a good week and a great week, or it can make a good week a bad week. It seems like that defense push, whoever gets that defense that really breaks out and goes off one week, and it can be tough to predict, um, can sometimes really move up in a tournament. Yeah, and I would say that the defense position is the bane of my DFS existence, but that <laughs> would actually be the kicker. Um, but on defense, you know, it's a work in progress. I feel like I've gotten better at it over the years. And I think I'm looking for more of a floor as opposed to, um, you know, trying for some sort of ceiling. Um, I'm looking for a defense that isn't going to give me a zero that isn't going to, that is going to contribute in some form or fashion, you know, racking up the sacks. Um, as we know, projecting a a pick six is almost impossible. Not going to be able to do it. You know, not everyone's going to be like, you know, the Eagles of a couple years ago. Right. Um, and you know, so we're looking for, for teams that are, that are favorites, uh, you know, substantial favorites, perhaps teams that are, are at home, you know, within their own environments, um, you know, teams that have really strong, uh, players on defense, you know, I, you know, for example, yeah, the chart, the chargers. Um, it, it's funny actually to see LAC now everywhere because it I is. keep wanting to say Clippers. You and me both. Um, we'll get used to, <laughs> we'll get used to it in a couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, a team like the, the, the chargers that have incredible corners, even, you know, case, you know, Casey Hayward and, you know, the rest of the bat bunch there along with the, you know, the frontline defenders, Joey Bosa and company. I mean, like that's a really good defense when they're playing at home against a, you know, bad quarterback, um, that's always a good, a good, good place for me. Um, you know, week one, even I, I'm drafting season long teams. I'm, I'm taking the Rams in a couple of spots because of their uh, potential week one opponent. And it's something that I could potentially use in DFS because if Andrew Luck isn't healthy and they're going to have Scott Tolzien in there and the Rams are, are playing the, uh, the Colts at home. And I think the Colts are tanking this year as is. <laughs> I want that Rams defense in a week one. And I know we're talking about it a couple of weeks early, but um, I want to see how things play out with Luck. And the same thing in season long. There's no reason why you can't, uh, you know, play defenses week to week, start off with the Rams and go from there. But that's me segueing again. Let's take it. Let's reel it back in, Scott. So so I have a key with defense that I really focus on, and that's sacks. Um, I look at I look at how maybe the last four to six weeks of defense doing getting sacks. And I look at the other team, how they're doing uh, allowing sacks. I think you, you mentioned floor. To me, sacks are just automatic points. If a team's getting four or five sacks a week, three to four sacks a week, whatever, maybe those are automatic points. But not only that, sacks cause fumbles. Sacks cause quarterbacks to throw the ball too quick. Sacks cause the quarterbacks to start getting happy feet and throw bad passes, make bad decisions. To me, it's all about getting a pass rush. I love teams that develop that, get sacks. I think that's where the big plays happen. You can never guarantee a big play. But if I know the quarterback is throwing the ball a half second too early or running out, running out of the pocket, throw the ball on the run, that's the kind of teams I want. I really started to get into that last year, and I really started to do well on defense the second half of the season, really focusing on who's getting the sacks now, who's, whose pass is really coming on, and also who's allowing a lot of sacks. You can really find that there's some offensive lines, get some injuries, they really start to struggle in the midpoint of the year. Uh, to me, I start to build my defense on sacks for all those reasons. Yeah, no, those are absolutely excellent points. And, you know, just the final thing on defense, uh, you know, we're also a lot of times we'll have the opportunity to sort of, um, you know, uh, double bag it, I guess you could say, in terms of, uh, you know, an elite receiver uh, who also returns punts, somebody like a Tyreek Hill, who will get you the points both as uh, a wide receiver and as the defense. So you kind of get the, you know, you know, the double end of it or, you know, Tyler Lockett from a couple of years ago, if he's healthy, him with Seattle is, is, is um, something that people might be using this year if he's going to get that opportunity to, to return punts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't forget those elite return guys. I mean, if they, a kick return or a punt for touchdowns, the same as a pick six. So it's uh, super valuable there. They are tough to come by. But you, when you have someone like Tyreek Hill, who, you know, it seemed like for a while there was returning one every other week, uh, really important. So uh, before we get out of here, we're kind of running a little bit long, but uh, you and I tend to do that. And hopefully people don't mind us talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, kickers, you mentioned, is kind of the bane of your existence. FanDuel does have kicker. DraftKings is not. 
But, uh, you know, on kicker, I think it's important to not just totally throw it out. Um, I don't think about it a ton. I really go very simple. I want a guy who's either indoors or in warm weather, who's on a good but not a great team. I don't always love, mm-hmm. um, you know, a team that thinks to score a bunch of touchdowns. I kind of like a team that uh, a quarterback that's really good between the 20s and kind of struggles in the red zone doesn't have, you know, doesn't have Ezekiel Elliott where you can, you can just pound it in the red zone. I like a team to stall in the red zone to get my kicker, but it can be tough week to week. You know, sometimes they bog down, sometimes they don't, but it's kind of what I'm looking for. And usually I end up kind of in the middle somewhere, which is kind of all I want. I just don't want to get killed at kicker. Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking, you know, I, I know a lot of times people have the strategy of, you know, they're looking at kickers they're looking at, you know, on Fandle, for example, the min salary, the 4,500 guy, and just sort of plucking off the best guy there. Right. And I think over the last season or so, you've seen a little bit of a trend move towards, it's like, hey, I'm just going to try to fit in Justin Tucker because he goes off every single week. Um, and so to me, I'm not completely uh, – I, I may call it the bane of my existence, but I actually enjoy having the position because it throws – it's a little bit of variance. And there are a lot of people that just kind of you know, plug and play it. And I think it's, a, you know, it, it's an important position to actually figure out and project where you think those points are going to come from. Um, and like you said, those offenses that uh, – you know aren't necessarily going to you know blow opposing teams out of the water and could stall a little bit there and provide those opportunities to get those you know 40 50 yards um, I think are really important and, and you know looking at guys like you know, uh, you know somebody with big legs are also super important to me guys with uh, you know really strong legs like a Janikowski who you know still in, in, in all of his many years is is still doing really well and has great accuracy. Um, and same with somebody like Matt Prater, who I think is the strongest leg in the league. And, you know, these aren't necessarily off, you know, red zone juggernauts. And so, um, you know, the, these offensive teams and so guys like that, I think are, are absolutely viable, but I think forgetting about kicker and just sort of just plugging one in is, is a bad move. It's a very negative, uh, EV move. And it's important that people really uh, study up and, and, and play the best ones. Yeah. I usually find myself kind of going the 47 to $4,800 range, you know, kicker that's good and on a good team and has a good matchup that week. I usually, I don't always go up to an expensive one, but I usually don't play a 4,500 one either unless it's someone that really jumps out to me. I'm kind of a, kind of a mid range, especially spend a couple of extra hundred bucks on a kicker and it usually works out. But like I said, I'm just trying not to get killed there. You don't want to get shut out of kicker. Yeah. Yeah. And indoors, warm weather. Um, you know, these are the things that definitely absolutely help, uh, things that we need to consider as well. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of how we go about starting uh, starting to put together a team. Kind of what we look for at each position. Um, hopefully, there'll be a good uh, good startup and good uh, good basis to kind of start thinking about DFS for week one. Uh, we are going to have one more podcast, one more preseason podcast next week. Vlad and I will kind of talk about some teams that we're really kind of focusing on for the first quarter of the year. So teams we might think are looking for a breakout, defenses we may want to play against, that sort of thing. So kind of really starting to think about uh, think about the start of the season. We won't do week one. We'll do week one actually during week one when uh, we have all the prices in front of us. We have all the injuries, all that kind of stuff. You know, we, we talked about Olo Beckham. We'll see what's up. What's up with him for week one? But uh, so next week we'll kind of get try to get it really into kind of uh, some maybe some sleeper or surprise offense as a whole and some defense we want to go against. So uh, Vlad, anything else you want to toss in for this week? No, uh, I would just say uh, for for people that are starting to look and and, and getting that itch. Um, don't go too crazy trying to set week one lineups now with three weeks ahead of time. Uh, still a lot of action. If you want some of that action, um, go ahead and enter some preseason uh, contests. <laughs> um, but looking at week one, um, three weeks ahead, I think, is a little bit of a fool's errand. Um, too far in advance, especially if you have your season-long drafts. Use that time to you know, study the offenses more, uh, you know, pay attention, read as much as you can and figure out what it is exactly you like so that when the actual DFS and football season starts, uh, you have a, a lot of confidence and can make the right decisions to help you win some money this year. Absolutely. We're going to be here every week along the way to try and help you uh, help you do that ourselves. Hopefully win some money ourselves, too. So hope we can do that together. Hopefully we can get you pointing in the right direction. Get, uh, get a lot of good plays and get some sneaky plays, too. That, Vlad especially is really good at finding kind of that guy that's off the radar each week that uh, tends to go off. He has a reputation of, of nailing some really uh, really off-the-wall plays that uh, I kind of roll my eyes and I look up the guy scores two touchdowns. I think there's a there's probably a Doriel Green-Beckham touchdown there at some point that, uh, that I'm still rolling my eyes about. So, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening to the uh, Rotowire DFS football podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Uh, if you could please rate or review the podcast if you enjoyed it, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, other than that, we will back, be back at you next week. Uh, if you want to follow us on, on Twitter, I am at Scott Genstead. Genstead is J-E-N-S-T-A-D. And Vlad is at Rotogut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. 
other than that, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. If you have any questions and it comes up, we'd be happy to hear from you. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.